You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Paul's I show brought to you by Archie's on Carson. Get down to Archie's, the official chicken wing of the fan. Archie. Archie's home of 87 Wings Monday through Thursday, home of the Paul's Ice Grilled Cheese Sandwich. Uh, at any rate, um, Twitter brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Peters Township. Visit them online, southhillsjeep.com. Uh, we are going to the Nemecolon Hotline, talk to our good friend Noah Howes, who is, uh, covers all things Pitt. And Noah, we can start really actually with the basketball team that got a big commitment. Uh, I guess it was late last week or maybe even early this week. It seems like Jeff Capel's putting together a pretty good roster, doesn't it? Yeah, it, thanks for having me on as always, Paul. But, yeah, Monday afternoon, out of nowhere, Pitt landed uh, Papa Kante. Uh He's the number seven forward in the country, a top 100 player on pretty much any recruiting site that you look at, Rivals, 247 Sports, all of those uh, different ranking systems or whatever. But, um, I mean, this is a big get, and it, it, it's a big addition to an already – strong recruiting class for this 2023 high school group. They have four players in it now, and, and three of them are four stars, all top tier at their position. And the one three-star, Marlon Barnes Jr., he's no slouch either. He's, a, I believe, a top 150 player uh, out of out of Brush High School in Cleveland, the same place that produced John Hughley and has a really rich basketball tradition. So they've got a lot of young talent. And you, you throw that group of four in with Dior Johnson, who was a top 50 player in the country, and his high school cr- class last year obviously didn't play a game for the Panthers. And you have five really talented freshmen. Now, in today's modern game, how long will these freshmen stay at Pitt? That's, that's to be determined. But you, you look at that young core that you have there, you look at the two guys they brought in through the transfer portal who will pro- both probably be starters, when you look at the key people that are returning with the Diaz Grand Twins, with Fetty Federico, and barring something unexpected, I, 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 I totally expect Blake Henson to, you know, withdraw himself from the NBA draft uh, process and return to Pitt in this next week or so. And you get your leading scorer back with him. So, yeah, they have a really talented team coming back next year. Yeah, uh, they do. And, uh, you know, the, the, you bring up uh, Dior Johnson – and uh, uh, you know, is there any update? I mean, does it is is it is the feeling that he's going to be you know reinstated and fully and, and be able to play next year? Yeah, I mean, they they reinstated him in the program last year. He was he was redshirted, um, but I think every move they've made this off season indicates that they went into the off season expecting Dior Johnson to be their starting point guard this upcoming season. They, they haven't recruited a point guard. They haven't really even brought a point guard on campus. Every guy that they brought in 
was someone that would address three-point shooting or someone that would address rebounding or defending under the basket or, or maybe front or backcourt depth. But he's their point guard. And, I mean, I, everything that I've heard is, yeah, he's, he's all in. Um, is, he's a hard guy to predict, as I've said on this show and written many times with his high school history and everything. But I think the, the olive branch that was extended to him after his off-the-court issues um, last fall, he's really taken advantage of that situation in the sense where it was a second chance. It could have, at other programs, possibly ended his career before it even started at a Power 5 school. But now I think, yeah, this is a guy who understands the system that Jeff Capel wants his players to play in. And he's a really talented player. It's going to be, you know, how does he handle those low moments that take place throughout the season? And that will be interesting to cover. But, yeah, for all intents and purposes, I I will be very surprised if your Johnson is not the starting point guard for Pitt in his first game of the season. Um, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, football, well, not for, before we get to the football, can you explain, uh, what the success incentive initiative is? Is this uh, sort of a response to the whole Florida state and gang of seven, uh, threatening to leave? What, what, is there any, uh, sort of, um, plan that's actually in place or that they just come up with a cutesy name for something they really don't know how it's going to work? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything officially set in stone that this is something that they've talked about uh, where, you know, you reward teams that do well at the big sports. But unless if uh, you saw something that I missed, um, nothing set in stone. And that's that's been an idea that's been discussed for months and it's been written about. And there's certain programs that are hammering the table for it, like Miami and, and Florida State and Clemson. And they're all saying, you know, we should be rewarded for – winning these uh, leagues and, and, and bringing the most attention and having the most valuable brand when, I'm, ironically enough, I mean, Florida State and Miami haven't won football in forever. So, I mean, Clemson has a legitimate gripe there, but the other two aren't the top-tier teams. I mean, Florida State might be good this upcoming year, but they haven't won the ACC in a while either, so I don't know what they're complaining about. And um, But – from from my conversations with athletic directors throughout the league, including Heather Like, she told me, you know, this this idea of revenue distribution and, and and kind of trying to rather than everyone getting an equal share, just giving everyone a little bit of a baseline and then rewarding teams based on success. She said, after you re-slice the pie, the amount that the top team is going to get, it's still going to be nowhere near uh, able to make a significant dent in that $30 million difference in annual revenue that ACC teams are getting compared to, you know, what big 10 and SEC teams are getting. So it's not going to be that significant of a change, even if that change does become a real thing. Yeah. Well, here's, I have a press release from the ACC. I guess it just was out a little bit ago or whatever. Um, and I just happened to see Brett McMurphy uh, was tweeting about it. That's why, uh, the plan goes effect to the 2024-25 academic year. Uh, essentially, it's going to allow for schools to receive more postseason revenue based on success. Ah. And uh, let's see, the Atlantic Coast Conference Board of Directors announced it has endorsed the success 
initiative will begin 2024-25 academic year. The decision follows analysis. Specifics of the plan are in progress. Be solidified in coming months on initiative. Implementation of success. Incentives will come solely from the performance of teams in revenue-generating postseason competition. There's a quote there from somebody from Duke and from Jim Phillips. So there you have okay. it. Well, there you go. Well, that shows I should check my email uh, rather than going for a run after work hours. But, uh, <laughs> no, but um, no, but in, in all actuality, I mean, that's, that's what we heard. And, and, and it's interesting to see that it got pushed through. But like you said, Paul, like if it's, if it's rewarding you on postseason stuff, I mean, with that 12-team format, how many ACC teams are going to get in there? Like with this magnificent seven that existed, does NC State think it's getting into the college football playoff anytime soon? Right, Virginia. Like you know, and 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 granted, like March Madness, anything can happen. You, you we see teams from the ACC in the Final Four all the time, but that's not necessarily a, a as we discussed on this show, Paul. That's that's not necessarily an indicator of how great of a season you had. It's just your team got hot at the right time, like Miami. I don't think was the best team in the ACC this year for from start to finish. It was a really good one, but I would argue that Virginia was probably a better overall team from start to finish, and Duke probably finished the season hotter than them heading into the tournament. So I don't know. It, it's that's that's not going to solve anything in my opinion. But it's interesting to see that it did get passed through. Yeah, it did. So I, I've got bad news for you, but I. Probably created a little bit of work for you as you throw together a little story or something, right? <laughs> yep, that'll that'll be something I do as soon as I hang up this phone call. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Um, yeah, you're you're welcome. I'm very very glad I could uh, you know assist you in ruining your night. Um, yeah. At any at any rate, uh, the uh, football team, you know, it, it's it is what it is. But of course, Pat Narduzzi sort of uh, you know opened up another can. <laughs> which he's very good at doing, and, and mostly because he doesn't have uh, the ability to uh, – he doesn't have the ability to, to just sort of have a filter, which I is kind of great for guys like you that, you know, cover him because he gives you some fodder from time to time. And this whole thing with Deion Sanders, I've read all of his quotes. I've read, you know, what he said uh, apparently, uh, you know, at the winter meetings or, or the spring meetings. I – can't really find any fault with anything that he said. No, I, I totally agree. And one thing that I, I think you've said this, and I've seen other people say it on social media, and I agree too, is you know you can have whatever opinion you want on Pat Narduzzi as a coach, or even on some of the comments that he makes. But the guy is never an anonymous source, I and mean, he puts his name on whatever he has to say. He'll go on the record and say it. And you could, how many other guys can you really point to in college sports? who take that same approach, who have that type of backbone to, to really make a comment and stand by their word. So I think that should be commended, one. And two, yeah, I don't, I don't terribly disagree with anything he said. And, and, you know, I'm a Dion guy. I think that it's cool to see him in the world of college sports. I love seeing what he did at Jackson State. Um, but this, this Colorado thing is crazy. And, and I didn't hate his intro speech when he went there and said, you know, I got people coming here. I think that that at the time I interpreted that as like a way to motivate them saying, Hey, look, like no one's safe. This is a new, this is a new regime. But when you find out that he's like forcing these kids out, that's, I don't, I don't agree with that, you know, and and he has the right to do that as they have the right to leave in this new world of college athletics that we live in. But 
I liked uh, uh, Craig Meyer, you know, former pit writer before me here. He he pointed out that Capel, when he took the job at Pitt, said, you know, these these are my players. They, you know, I didn't recruit them, but these are these. This is my team now. When he came into Pitt, and, and I think that that's a good mentality to have, and. That's just not a good principle to set when you go to a new place and you make the guys there feel unwelcomed or it's okay to make them understand that they're going to have to fight for a starting spot. But when you tell them that we don't even want you here, I don't think that that's right. Yeah. And and I think the thing about it is, you know, the, the rules are, you know, are what they are. Uh, but but there's got to be a little bit of a spirit to the role too. And I think that's where I have a problem with what Deion Sanders is doing. Um, yeah. you know, what he's doing is making a complete mockery out of college back, college football. Um, yeah. Okay. There's a transfer portal. You're able to, you know, go out and get people, uh, transfers and whatnot. I get all that stuff, but at the end of the day, I don't think that it was ever, ever, ever designed to become just full out silly, you know, uh, uh, wild, wild west free agency, and everything else like like the NFL is. No, I mean, he's trying to do what Jerry Jones did with the Dallas Cowboys. Or not Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson, where he took over from Miami, and he said, you know, most of you guys aren't going to be here. And he remembered the ones that worked hard on that first day of practice, and, you know, he turned that team into uh, uh, one of the worst teams in football into a Super Bowl champion in a couple of years or whatever. But, like, the reality is those are professionals. These are – and I get that these kids can make money now and everything, but it's totally different when you force a kid to find a new place to live when, they, you know, a lot of these guys aren't making crazy NIL money and it's just not a good precedent to set. And, and he's just, he's able to do it because he's Deion Sanders and he knows that guys will want to come play for him, but you better hope this works because if it doesn't, and they have a, a horrible team chemistry and everything, and they have to do this all over again next year, all those boosters who shoveled out all those that money to get them there, I don't think they're going to be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, somebody asked, is it going, is it going to be, uh, is it going to be, you know, a situation of where, um, you know, a lot of other first-year coaches are going to use this approach? Uh, now that they've seen with Dion, and I would say no for two reasons. One, I don't know. I mean, I, I look at Colorado as a team that's going to be lucky to win five games this year. That's number one. But here's number two. I don't know that a lot of other coaches have the stomach to run 70 guys. Well, they actually ran 51 guys out of the program, 19 graduated or whatever it is. I think, yeah. Yeah, but whatever. I don't know that other people have the stomach to try and sign 55 transfers. That's no, That's the bottom line. That- yeah, and you're doing that, and on top of that, like, Dion, this is his first year where he's going to have to put a recruiting plan together for a Power 5 program. I would have to imagine the, the recruiting plan at Jackson State, where you're competing against other teams in the SWAC, is a little different than when you're competing against, you know, programs like USC or Oregon, who are trying to get all those talented kids on the West Coast to come play in the Pac-12. That's you know, having to, to do that and then on top of that, deal with 50 people at the collegiate level coming and going. I mean, how are you even going to learn these guys' names by the time camp starts? What kind of team chemistry is that going to create? 
I mean, we saw Pitt have a total roster overhaul last last offseason for basketball, but that was like seven guys. When you're talking 50 new people, I mean, I don't care what type of organization or company or whatever you're running. When you have 50 new people coming together and you expect them to, to be able to have a camaraderie where they can go and work as a co- cohesive unit after only getting to know each other for a couple of months, I don't, I don't, I don't like that system at all. I don't think it's going to work out very well. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like it is, and I don't know that it's necessarily a, a good for college football. Yeah. Uh, Noah, I appreciate you jumping on, and I know you've got some work to do now, so <laughs> yeah. I better let you go. <laughs> All right, Paul, thanks for having me on. Yep, uh, yep, we'll do it again soon. This is uh, Noah, Noah House from the Post-Gazette. Coming up, we've got yeah, Dan Kangursky. There's been a lot of uh, discussion about what's going on with the Penguins, uh, but not a lot of real – Substance. We'll talk to Kondersky next. Paul's Ice Show 93.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, it's been quite a weird couple of days with the Penguins. Um, It's just one of these things where uh, there's all kinds of stories and Rumors floating around and things of the such, but nothing really seems to be very substantial. Other than um, there are a lot of people that uh, still are kind of speculating as to what's going on. (laughs) Anyway, let's go to our good friend Dan Kongerski from Pittsburgh Hockey Now, uh, who's been covering this uh, every single day and uh, has probably uh, really gotten to the point where he hates covering it. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, 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 you know, we, we, we've read all kinds of speculation. I think Cal Dubas, you know, he's at Starbucks downtown. He's at, uh, you know, at the airport. He's here. He's there. We saw him, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the south side, you know, at Archie's having wings. Uh, anyway, what does all of that mean? Does it mean anything? It, well, I mean, look, the fact that he's made the trip down to Pittsburgh I think speaks well of his interest in the position. There was, I think, at least on my part, 
after his very raw and emotional press conference uh, last Thursday, or even I think it was maybe Wednesday, last Wednesday in uh, Toronto, which he said, okay, you know, I'm here. It's Toronto or nothing next season. I have to talk to my family. This has been exhausting on them. You know, we sign up for it, but they don't. So, you know, we have to have the family conversation if I continue. He gets fired, you know, 36 hours later. I'm sure that was a jolt, right? I mean, you you get that little chip on your shoulder all of a sudden, like, well, I'm going to show you guys. Uh, At first, I mean, obviously Pittsburgh was, was the immediate connection. That's been bubbled and kicked around for a couple of months, actually. But then Ottawa kind of popped up and and I don't know where that that came from but multiple writers on multiple national outlets across Canada had sort of the same idea at the same time you know you as a longtime reporter Paul you know when that happens somebody's talking so there was the Ottawa stuff um you know there was the wonder if he you know he really had the fire in his belly to do this right now for a different team. But yes, to answer your question, uh, I I would say him coming to Pittsburgh is probably a very good sign that, uh, that he's open and, and willing to take those next steps. If the position and the money and all of that fit. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about him and what it would look like if it was going to be him. Um, and, and and I would tell you, I think that it's it's really intriguing to just hear all the points of view of of him. Um, there are pros and cons. I would suggest. I, I would probably uh, suspect. And, uh, and so, in your mind, what are some of the pros and what are some of the cons? Oh, the the pros of Dubas. I mean, th- this guy is a sharp GM. A few years ago, when everybody was kind of lamenting. You know, the salary cap, this was a guy to keep his team together, figured out that if he traded for a veteran on long-term injured reserve, you know, the LTIR, if he actually acquired that guy, he could then exceed the salary cap and sign one of his players. Nobody had really done that before, and he kind of showed the way to, you know, to spend more of your owner's money. He's been very good at trying to assess his team and get what his team needs. I mean, look, he had a great core with, you know, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. You know, he, he's got these guys in place, but supplementing around them is difficult because they're all very well paid as well. But he went out, got Jake Muzzin, who was a very gritty defenseman from the LA Kings. He, this year he goes and gets Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari at the NHL trade deadline trying to do everything he can uh, for for his team. And, you know, on that front, he's aggressive. He, you know, he fought outside the box. He hasn't choked off the pipeline of, of prospects either. You know, young kids up there, I mean, I don't know how much Penguins fans recognize these names, but Nick Robertson and, and Matthew Nyes, you know, niece rather. You know, these kids are, are, are going to be NHL players, not just kind of, you know, uh, fixtures on the wall, they're NHL players. And so to to have something in the pipeline is also very much a credit. The cons, I mean, obviously he didn't build a team that was capable of getting past the first round until this season. Four in a row, 
they lost. Uh, you know, he didn't build up enough. And, and quite frankly, he went into this season and rode out the season with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov as his goaltenders, which was probably obviously not uh, good enough for a, a playoff run. So, you know, it, it, there's pros and cons, and, and some people maybe think he's a little too smart. You know, there, there's always that uh, knock on smart people. So whether that's legit or not, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think there's the scouting report on Dubas. Well, again, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of things that to me that are very attractive about him. Uh, most importantly, uh, he's young. He's got a, a fresh approach. And, you know, he's not uh, one of these back-to-the-future hires, which I just, for the most part, can't stand. And and you know what I mean? Like Pittsburgh here, we seem to corner the market <laughs> on back-to-the-future hires, which is basically um, anybody that has any connection to the Penguins or the city of Pittsburgh or Western Pennsylvania or whatever, we have to, uh, we have to hire. Uh, so I kind of like the fact that he would bring a, pre- a fresh perspective from completely outside the organization. Uh, I would say there's a lot to that. Uh, you know, I don't know how much the analytics department really got to contribute in, in the Ron Hextall regime. Uh, I tend to think not at all. Because if if you're acquiring Jeff Carter, Mikhail Granlund, Casperi uh, Kapanen, you know, all of these sorts of guys, or if you're re-upping them, your analytics department was probably going nuts saying no. Don't do it. Uh, all of those things happen. So uh, I, I think Dubas will bring, bring it. And I'm not a, a big believer in using analytics over the eye test. I still think hockey is, is played with emotion and, and things which can't be quantified. But, uh, you know, these analytics folks are getting pretty smart. And the teams that have invested in it uh, have done better than the teams that haven't. So he's going to bring bring that to uh, he also I think people are going to want to work for him because of his sort of reputation uh, as, as maybe, you know, a cutting edge sort of guy, whereas FSG, you know, the, the Fenway owners have no Rolodex in the hockey world. They use this whole process to kind of build their their Rolodex of, of people and meet people and talk to people. Uh, I think he can bring in a, a lot more fresh perspectives, uh, scouts and eyes that the Penguins are lacking. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 a, actually a really good point. Now, if Kyle Dubas isn't the guy, are there other uh, guys that are still out there hanging around? Are there other names that are or, or females that are still being uh, thrown around? Uh, to, to the best of my knowledge, and I, I have to put that caveat on everything because I was a little surprised to learn about some people who got multiple interviews that nobody had ever heard of. In fact, uh, one asked us not to use his name, so uh, you know I won't, but <laughs> uh, I, I don't think any of the uh, women who interviewed in the opening rounds of this process are, are still left. I, I think we're down, and, and again, I, I put the caveat there. Uh, I think we're down to essentially the four, Kyle Dubas, John Chaka, Steve Greeley, and Matthew Darsh. Uh, I, I think those are, are the four. Um, someone, you know, one of the unsuccessful candidates told uh, Pittsburgh Hockey Now that they believed 
that Cheka was going to be a part of this no matter what. Like they had already kind of made the decision to bring him in. Uh, I'm not sure if that's perception on that candidate's part or if, if that's reality. We're kind of waiting and trying to feel that one out. But, you know, from that standpoint, I think Dubas would be great at the top of the organization, maybe as a president of hockey operations uh, with a GM underneath of him. I, I, my gut says that's the way it will shake out, but that's not necessarily set in stone. Yeah. Um, is there are, are there any, you know, sort of dark horses that you could even come up with? Or do you think that the, that list of four is pretty much the guys? Oh, yeah, that I mean, they, they uh, on Tuesday, Fenway Sports Group was making the calls to a lot of people. Uh, Dan McKinnon, Eric Tulski saying, hey, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, uh, we're you know, we're, we've whittled down the process. You know, you're, you're, you're not uh, going to get the job. So, yeah, I think if FSG has gone to that point where they're calling people who were, you know, very prominent in the process to say no. Uh, I would suspect we're in the final couple of days here. If you look at it from this standpoint, do you think the new uh, GM, president of hockey operations, whatever the hell, who, you know, whoever's in charge, would have the um, uh, the, the the freedom and the ability to uh, move on from Mike Sullivan if he so chooses? Um, yes, kind of. I think that would be a conversation with ownership in which the new uh, GM slash uh, president of hockey ops would have to convince FSG. But I think FSG is open to having that conversation if their GM made made a good enough case. Uh, what we found out last week, uh, a colleague of ours who covers the AHL was at the AHL meetings, and, and kind of the chatter was uh, Mike Sullivan getting involved with FSG to rebuild the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins because they really kind of had fallen into disrepair. Uh, Paul, I covered a game at the end of the season, and and it was not a competitive roster. Obviously, they didn't produce any prospects uh, for the team over the last uh, you know couple of years, and, and Mike Sullivan really kind of uh, was was pushing FSG, and they were amendable to that. The word around the AHL meetings was Sullivan has the hammer with with the fsg boys so uh yes uh per fsg's dave beeston's stated uh press conference when he said you know the new gm and president will you know reevaluate the coach i you know on paper yes but i I think in reality i think sullivan is kind of part of the job okay well that's kind of interesting and we will see how it all plays out Dan, I know you're uh, probably very, very busy at this point because, well, I mean, <laughs> you're in well, the finals. Well, hockey's on and Vegas is moving, so yeah, we're we're rolling. And, and you're on the final final stages of a, a coaching, or actually, in this case, a, a general manager search, which can always be fun. So, uh, get back to work, sir. All right, thanks, Paul. All right, Dan Kongerski on Paul's Ice. It's ninety-three-seven. The fan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It is kind of interesting. I tell you, it's the worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world to me, if you're a reporter, is having to cover a search of some sort. For a head coach or for a, you know what I mean? I used to have a saying, everybody is lying to you. Everybody is lying to you. That's what happens. Nobody wants to tell you the truth. And so you end up with what you have had over the last month or so, which is a bunch of reporters that cover the Penguins. A bunch of reporters that cover the Penguins. Okay? Who have had pressure to produce comp content, even when there's not really content to be produced. Which is why you've had some wide-ranging reporting and some things that are going on, you know, all over the place. But at the end of the day, it's one of these things where uh, you, you, you basically look at it and you, you say... It's one of those situations where you say to yourself, um, basically, that um, you don't know what to believe. You've got, you know, guys that are pretty reliable reporters, guys that have, you know, covered the team for a long time. You know, all of those things, I get that. And those guys all have information and good, but it's very, very difficult uh, when you're just sort of getting bits and pieces from people who may not even really have all that much, there's a little speculation that might go into it. And all that other stuff. So, you know, I, I think that it's been tough to sort of follow what's going on. Now I, I have, you know, a pretty good feeling that based on all of the reporting these guys did today, that there's a good chance that Cal Dubas will be that guy. And if he is that guy, I don't, I think they could do a lot worse. So it just basically, uh, you know, a situation of where, you know, is he going to be the guy that gets them back on track to to winning Stanley Cups. Now, the the report from today, I should I should, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't point out that the report is that he met with Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. And so that's an important thing, that's an important uh note, right? You know, there's all these reports out here that he met with Sidney Crosby the Penguins practice facility late last night. So that's just the way it is. It'd be interesting to see what happens. It'd be interesting to see if this is the guy, because there's a lot of speculation that he said, basically, 
you know, he, he wants to take some time off because, you know, Toronto's really the only place he wanted to be. But meeting with Crosby would suggest probably that he had, you know, was gauging sort of the idea of how good can the Penguins be and what does Crosby think about the next year or two. That's the question that you have. That's the question that you, you, you would have. How good do you want to do? How good do you want to be? How good do you want to be? And I think the thing about Cal Dubas is he's got a lot of uh, experience, even though he's young. He's got a lot of experience at building. At, 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 uh, he's got a lot of experience at uh, building a roster. I think he's shown that he's got the ability to uh, basically uh, go out there and and uh, um, make moves that are bold moves. He's traded a lot of times. He's traded, uh, uh, um, um, you know, uh, picks, you know, to show that he's not afraid to trade picks. I think he's been a guy that really I'm intrigued by. I know that there are a number of people say, well, what did he win in Toronto? Well, I don't know that that's necessarily fair. He put together uh, what I would say a, a pretty good, he put together a pretty good uh, team up there in Toronto. And I think they were good enough. You know, there were some people that picked them to win the Stanley Cup. You know, just because you don't win the Stanley Cup, I don't necessarily know that um, that means that you didn't win anything. Because really, to be honest, that team was good enough to win the Stanley Cup. I don't know that it's his fault that they didn't. So it, it feels to me a lot like uh, there are a lot of people that, you know, for whatever reason they don't like him or they don't like the fact that he was necessarily a, uh, um, you know, that basically that he, he was necessarily some sort of a guy who, uh, ba- who um, you know, who, who is a Toronto, was in Toronto and put together a roster that choked and all that other stuff. There are some people that just don't like him. There are some people that think, oh, well, he's, you know, the smartest guy in the room syndrome. But to me, I don't think it's a valid criticism to say, well, they, you know, what did they win? Because, again, it, it, once you get into the playoffs, you get to a point where you're an exec. You're not the coach. You're not the players. But I don't think there's anybody that can say, I don't think there's anybody that can say, he didn't put together a team this year that was good enough to win it because they were. Uh, they were. Absolutely, they were. They just didn't, you know, things happen. You know, you run into a hot team, you run into a hot goalie, you run into, you know, all of that stuff. That's the way it goes. It's just amazing, really, to me. It's amazing that that's the standard. Well, he never won anything. I think he's put together a pretty good team. I think the biggest thing, too, I think the biggest thing, too, 
is this. The Penguins have to let this guy do it. They have to let this guy make all of the moves necessary to try and win over the next two years. That's the thing I would tell you. You cannot bring in a guy and tell whoever you're bringing in, you can't tell them, hey, you know, we've got a four-year plan or a five-year plan. We want you to put together a plan that, you know, makes sense for the long haul. All of that other stuff, you can't do it. You can't. You got to win. You got to go win now. Because you've got Sidney Crosby and Malkin and Latang for two years, probably tops. And I'm talking about two years tops playing at a really high level. And this year you clearly didn't put together a team around them that was good enough because you got 82 games out of uh, Crosby and Malkin. You got 82 games out of those teams. I mean, 82 games out of those two players. And the other part of it is you got basically, uh, you know, a pretty good season from Latang in terms of how many games he played given all his health issues. And all three of them played at a really high level and you missed the playoffs. So clearly there's a lot of work to be done to get the team to the point where they are a Stanley Cup contender. Now, the, the question about... Uh, the question about uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Mike Sullivan is, is, is a real question, and it's a good question. As I've said before, I think there are a number of where, places and, and things that you can point to where you could say Mike Sullivan actually hurt the cause more than he helped it. And that it, there's no chance... There's no chance at all, actually, that if he wants to continue to play the, the way that the, the style of hockey they play and everything else, they're going to win. They're not going to win. They're not going to win Stanley Cup. They're not going to get close to it because they're not built to win that way anyway. So, you know, the new general manager has to sit down and talk to Phil Je- uh, uh, Mike Sullivan and say, how are you going to alter the style of play that you have to whatever the roster is that we put together? And if the answer is I'm not going to, guess what? Guess what? I think he's got to go. I'm not saying he has to go, but if he's not willing to change what he's doing, he's got to go. Listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday to hear Starkey's Card of the Week baseball card cast on Cranberry Contest Run every Wednesday through Friday, 12 p.m. at the 93.7thefan.com contesting page. Texas and Edgar Snyder and Associates fan text line 412-928-9370. Edgar Snyder and Associates remind you to text responsibly. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevy, Sun Shining. Spring is here. Time to get a great deal on Silverado's Colorado. Stop in online at Sun Chevy. Dot com clear uh 45 thursday a little cooler high of 68 uh coming up we've got jeff hathorne at nine o'clock it is 93.7 the fan this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 